This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. All right, all right, all right. Go ahead and find your seat. A couple of things that I want to make sure you get uh, in your hands this morning. First of all, if you're new with us, um, could I just tell you how thankful we are that you are here and what a blessing it is to have you here this morning. If you are new, we have visitor cards in the pocket in front. We encourage you to just fill them out and turn them into the tent in the back uh, outside and get information about us. We'd love to connect with you. So we're so glad that you are here this morning. We love having new people here. We encourage you to invite your friends, especially this summer when everybody seems like, you know, that they have a three-month vacation, right? No, I'm taking one, but just so you know. Uh, no, I am so thankful for this summer because of all that we get to experience. Um, and I know that families, including my own, are going to be taking vacations, and people are out of town even this weekend, and, and, it's, and it's that time of year. We're so thankful that people get to do that. But as we go through this summer, I want to just encourage you that there's some ways that we want you to connect. Make sure that you're involved. If you could get one of these on your way out or if you want to download one, that's fine. Also, make sure to download one on our website or Facebook, the PDF version. There's things coming up. One would be particularly this, this Wednesday. We're doing a class. Um, we're going through Deuteronomy 8.2 all summer as a meditation of what we're, we're learning. Um, and the first part we're going to talk about is God humbling us. What does it look like to be humble? So that class will be in the RSU room on, on Wednesday. We'll also be live streaming it because we don't have kids ministry there or, or, or child care. So if you want to come to the live class, you can. You can meet us in the RSU room if you want to tune in online because you, know, because you have to take care of your kids or put them to bed or whatever. That's going to be that night. So make sure that you follow this schedule. There's going to be weeks where we have classes and prayer nights and different things. So grab a hold of this all right one thing too that we're excited about is all the youth that are going to be going to summer camp um, next week this Friday all the way to next uh, Tuesday so if you are going to summer camp would you do us a favor we want to pray for you guys could you just stand real quick I know not everybody's in here but if you're going to summer camp leaders or uh, or uh, youth could you just stand up if someone is right by you who's going to summer camp could you just just reach your hand toward them or lay your hand on them, and we're going to pray for them real quick. We, this is a huge deal for us. We love to see our kids. We're taking 40 people this year to summer camp. That's going to be next weekend, so let's pray for them. Father, we know that you do things in our lives in the mundane and in the times in which we are, are uh, just going through normal life. But God, you do some significant things in our lives when we pull away from the mundane and we get into moments in which, in which, we, are, um, in which we are alone with you, with your people. And so, Father, I'm asking that these young people would experience you in ways that they don't every day, Father, but that they would experience you in ways in which they see clearly who you are, what you've done for them. Father, I pray that their lives would be radically changed and we're thankful for what you're going to do in their lives and all all the hundreds of kids that are going throughout Redemption Church. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. 
We need to get a Bible in your hand. So if you don't have a Bible or you don't have a Bible app, could you raise your hand real quick? We got some guys who have a Bible there. So make sure you get that Bible in your hand. And when you do, could you turn to Psalms chapter 1? Psalms chapter 1. Um, make sure we, got, uh, we, we get these Bibles because I, I want us to make sure that we, we are studying these texts. And so we're going to be trying to put online on Facebook the different texts that we're going to be studying. And I'll try to explain that. So I'm really excited about going through the book of Psalms. And hopefully this summer will look way different for you in so many different ways. And here's, here's what I mean. As a community, for these three months, we're going to be going through the book of Psalms. But it's going to be done in a very different way. And so I'm going to ask all of you to come with that mindset. And, and, and as much as you are here in town, to be able to come to this, these services and know that there's going to be a lot of different things happening. And I'll explain that as we go on. First of all, Ron, I'm excited about the book of Psalms because of all that it, it is. I want you to be prepared to study something, to get your heart prepared. There's ways that you could get information. We posted online, but also you could go to Bible Project and, uh, or you know, look at their YouTube channel. And Bible Project has a video on the book of Psalms that I thought was really helpful as far as getting an overview of the book of Psalms. I think it would be good for you to go back on our Facebook page or find it online and watch the Bible Project Book of Psalms video. Also, Eugene Peterson, I'm, I'm recommending all of you to read this if you can get it. There's a book called Answering God, and you can order it on Amazon or whatever by Eugene Peterson. It's really helpful on how to approach the Book of Psalms. Also, John Piper did something called Thinking and Feeling. It's a sermon that he did. It's on his website, Desiring God. And there's some things on, on uh, the Book of Psalms there that I think are some really dynamic, helpful things by how to approach the Book of Psalms. Psalms. What, what, what I need to do is take a minute, and we'll try to remind you of this every week, is take a minute of, of what should be said about Psalms. And here's, here's what I mean. Um, there, there's so much to study when it comes to the book of Psalms. There's a lot to study. There's a lot to know and understand and learn. One of my favorite things as far as studying the book of Psalms is Jesus quotes the book of Psalms more than any other Old Testament book. It's pretty awesome to go through and see how often Jesus quotes the book of Psalms. He's basically using the book of Psalms in so many different places. You see him outwitting the Pharisees um, with using the book of Psalms on several occasions in, uh, in Matthew 21, 22, Mark 12, Mark 14, Luke 20. He's outwitting the the uh, Pharisees by using the book of Psalms. He quotes the 22nd Psalm while he's dying on the cross. It's a, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? While he's on the cross, he's quoting or singing from the book of Psalms, if you will. And um, th that's, that's an amazing picture for me. When he was, um, he quotes the book of Psalms in his, in his betrayal in the wilderness when he's feeding the multitudes. When the, when the Jews went to stone Jesus claiming to be God, he responded with a line from the book of Psalms. Jesus quotes Psalms 110 when Pilate asks him if he's the son of God. Just over and over again, Jesus is singing or quoting the book of Psalms in different spots. I think that's a, a really cool, interesting thing to look at. It's also, when we look at it, Psalms is the most used book. When we read stuff and we're like, man, I, I need to read something, we kind of just open up to the book of Psalms and, and read often. It's definitely the most read book. Um, 
with all that could be studied about the book of Psalms, I'm asking us to take a different approach. Here's what I want from this series, and I hope you can write these things down just to put them to remembrance. First is this. We are going to go through the book of Psalms, but it's not going to be like we normally do. We go through books like we just finished Titus, and we go verse by verse. We kind of preach exegetically and kind of walk through the whole book of that and, and, and go verse by verse. We're not going to do that in this text. And the reason why is, is I want to push away from just this normal information download. And I want to go from us seeing this as just gaining information about Psalms and realize we're going in this series for formation and not for information. Okay, so I could give you a ton of information on the book of Psalms, but that's not what you'll hear from me preaching. That's not what you'll experience when you come on on Sundays. And hopefully that won't be what you experience in this. Most of us come here to get a good lesson so we can walk out and say that was good and feel like we accomplished something. But scriptures is not just meant for information. It's meant to form us for our formation. And so we're going to be going for formation. Second is this, knowing who God is and who we are. I love this quote from Dallas Willard. If you bury yourself in the Psalms, you emerge knowing God and understanding life. This is awesome because he uses burial as a death term and resurrection as emerging. You see this kind of death. If you bury yourself in the book of Psalms, here's how you'll resurrect. You'll resurrect understanding God and life. We learn from the Psalms how to think and act in reference to God. They show us who God is and that expands and lifts and directs our minds and hearts. Here's what I want us to know. When we bury ourselves in this, What we're going to come out of this is knowing God and knowing more about ourselves in light of God. And here's here's what's really important. In this approach to Psalms, I'm asking us not to just come to get information. I'm asking you to bury yourself in Psalms. To, 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 To... submerse yourself, to come into this and, and to really to, in, to get into Psalms in which we can begin to know God in ways. And, and the, the, the point, that leads to the point of entering into the Psalms. I think this is an important point from Eugene Peterson. He says this, our habit is to talk about God and not to him. We love discussing God. The psalm resists these discussions. They're not provided to teach us about God, but to train us to respond to Him. We don't learn the psalms until we are praying them. This is a... This is an interesting thing when it starts talking about context of Psalms. Psalms is not understood through study. It's understood through entering into and praying it. And you will not walk out of one of these meditations, if you will, or one of these times without being confronted with the reality of, I can't let the preacher do the work for me. I have to get into it, and I have to let the Spirit form me through this, and I've got to enter into the prayer, which is not why most people go to church. They go to church to check off their list of Christian things they did rather than to enter into and participate in what God is doing. 
So we're going to be called into prayer, and there's going to be ways that we do that. The other thing is when we're entering into the Psalms, we need to enter into prayer with all the saints. I love this quote. Uh, The Psalms offers us a way to join in a chorus of praise and prayer and has been going, that has been going on for a millennia across all cultures, not to try to inhabit them while continuing to invent non-psalmic worship based on our own feelings of the moment, risk being like a spoiled child taken to a summit of Table Mountain with the city and the ocean spread out before them, and they refuse to gaze at the view because they're busy playing their Game Boy. What a quote. That for us to see that in this book, not only are we entering into it, but we're entering into it with all the saints who have sang and quoted and prayed and inhabited these prayers as liturgies for centuries. That we are entering into a prayer meeting of all the saints for all generations. We're not just participating in our little, you know, feeling of the moment kind of deal and and, and just kind of going off. We are entering into a long history of praying with saints. Here's what we're going to do as we go into the Psalms is our services are going to look a lot different. I, I won't be preaching a lot. I will... I will only be doing meditations the times that I come up and every time another preacher comes or every time another, another speaker comes, they'll be doing the same thing. I won't, I'll be doing less than half because here's the reason why. I want us to see that this is communal. I want us to see that other people can meditate on this and hear from the Lord and they're going to be leading these times of meditations. So there'll be about 20 minutes of meditation after singing. And then after that, there'll be one to two people every week who are meditating on this with all of us, who will come and have written this prayer and riffing off of this prayer. You'll hear the melody of the Psalms, but they will riff off of it what God has taught them and the things that they have been learning. And they'll pray the Psalms with David. They'll pray the Psalms with all the, with all the people and we'll join into that. And then after that, like today, Kyle wrote a song in, in, in line with this Psalms chapter one. We'll sing it and then it will cause us to enter in and meditate and, and pray upon it. And then we'll take communion as confession together, not individually, but confession together. And then we'll spend time thinking through this. And the reality is there'll be a lot of time that's uncomfortable if you're not willing to enter in. Because this is for us. This is not just for me and not to just download information. This is for us. With all that in mind, I'm going to ask you to do something different. If you have your Bibles open to Psalm chapter 1, that's great. I want you to leave them open. But I want you to stand. You can hold your Bible. That's fine. But I want you to stand and close your eyes. The reason why is because we have, we have gone so literal with everything that we do. We just feel like I got to see it. I got to see it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen. And I want you to let the Spirit of God speak to you. I'm going to read slowly Psalms chapter 1, and I want you to take a meditative posture by closing your eyes and just listening to the Psalms, and let it hit you in a fresh way today as we read Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit and in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Hopefully you'll see the difference in the way I speak today. Not that I just lost my voice and I'm having a hard time projecting. But that you'll see that I'm not going to walk through verse by verse, but I'm going to tell you as I was meditating on this text, the things that really stuck out to me. And then I'm going to call us all into meditating and, and listening to God's voice as we should be deeply affected by it. One is this. When we look at this text, there's a, a big point that I want all of us to grab a hold of, and that's, that's this word. So write this down if you can. Delighting is in God is the good life. Delighting in God is the good life. Every one of us in this room is looking for the good life. We don't want the bad life, right? We want the good life. But what this text shows us is that people define the good life differently. So everybody in this room could define the good life differently and everybody could have a perspective of the good life. And how we define the good life shapes the way we live the rest of our lives. So what we have to learn from this is this text is pointing us to this. It's saying, here's the good life. But it uses really cool things. It uses metaphor and it uses contrast. Metaphor is hard for us, especially for us who are not poetic. Some people of, of us are so analytical and liter literal. Whenever metaphor is used, we love picking them apart. There's so much metaphor in the book of Psalms. Anybody who, who has little, literal and analytical mindsets has so much struggle with the metaphors here. But there is so much that we can know about God and life through metaphor that we've got to start immersing ourselves in them. And what he does is he uses metaphor and contrast. What I mean by contrast is he shows Dark side, light side, basically. He shows wicked and blessed. And everybody wants to have the blessed life, the good life, the prosperous life. And the reality is, is he's contrasting what is the good life, what is the blessed life, and what is the wicked and unrighteous life. And you start seeing that real quickly. There's a blessed man or there, there's a blessed person and there is a wicked person so when we look at this here's what we see the blessed person immediately does something and does not do other things they do something and they don't do something else so he starts right off the bat with saying 
This is what he does not do. Okay, I'll look at this. Let's look at this. Here's what he does not do. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor does he stand in the way of sinner, nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. So as I was looking at that, I, I hope you can see the decline of this person's activity. Here's what happens. It starts with walking. It goes to standing and they end up sitting. It starts with walking, it goes to standing, and they end up sitting. And here's how it starts. It starts by listening to the counsel of the wicked in so much place where the counsel of the wicked start to tell you how they define the good life and you start to believe that's the good life. They're giving you counsel. Here's how you live this way. Here's how you live the good life. Here's what the good life is. And they begin to believe it. And once you start walking in the counsel of the wicked, you find yourself standing in the congregation of sinners. Now no longer are you just listening to them. You are them. And then not just do you become them, you are sitting in the seat of the scoffer. Have you ever watched the Muppets? where everybody's on stage and then it pans away and there's these two old guys sitting, scoffing and mocking. Isn't it amazing that whenever you see a scoffer, they're always sitting. It's the ones who are active who are being scoffed. And the reality is, what you see is the decline of someone who starts defining the good life by the wicked's counsel. All of a sudden, you become them. You're standing with them. All of a sudden, you are mocking those who don't believe that the good life is what you define it as. My family and I go to the beach. Uh, every year, we, we try to go away, and, and, this, and, and so we've gone to the beach, and, and it's amazing. You go to the beach. I lived by a beach, and my parents would freak out every time we would go to the beach just because our beach in our town was known for its undertow. People would die. Actually, one of the gals in our congregation in high school, she ended up dying because of she was pulled away by the undertow. It's a sad thing. I mean, you, you get in there, you, you, you lose track, and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're pulled away into the tide. But the interesting thing about undertow is you get in the water and you're like playing right in front of your beach setup. And 30 minutes later, you're like 30 minutes from your beach towel, right? Like, how did I get so far off from where I was supposed to be? You don't even realize how much you've been pulled away. The current of the wicked and the current of the culture is so powerful that if you start living in the current and the culture of the wicked, you will find yourself so far away from where you're supposed to be, you will not know how you got there. The reality of this kind of poll is what he's saying is it starts with you redefining your good life and then it ends up in a place where you are scoffing the righteous for how they're living. It's interesting. Because once you get pulled so far away, you start looking at the church and the congregation and start saying, they're judgmental, they're this, they're that, they're this, they're that. And you begin scoffing the people of God. So the blessed man doesn't 
walk in the council, doesn't stand with sinners, doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful, and this downward progression. But what he does do is he delights in God's law and he meditates on it day and night. Look at what, what we see here. The, 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 the blessed man is not trying to manage his sin. So it doesn't say, here's what a blessed man does. He just stays away from bad people. He doesn't hear the cultural lies. He's outside of the community. He just stays outside of it. And the reality is, this is so much more powerful than just trying to manage sin. The blessed man delights in God. He delights in God. Most of us define our Christianity by what we don't do and by, rather than by what we do do. Hear me on this. Most of us go, well, I don't do these things, so I must be blessed by God. No, the reality is many of us could be managing our sin really well, but it doesn't mean you delight in God. It doesn't mean you love him. And notice that it goes from delight to meditation. I love this. Because delight speaks of this love and affection. Meditation <coughs> speaks of a work that involves the will. Here's what it means by that. Delight is, I delight in God, and if I delight in God, I will meditate. The reason why I meditate is so that I can cultivate delight. The reason I meditate is to cultivate delight. And here's what I mean. If I'm always hearing the counsel of the wicked, I'll start to, to that's what I'm meditating on. And if I'm meditating on that, it's going to affect my affections for Christ. And so in order for me to cultivate that delight, I need to switch my meditation onto his word. I need to put my meditation upon his word, his way, what he says the good life is. Piper says it this way, notice the progression from delight to meditation. Delight is a response of the heart to the beauty and the value of something. And then meditation involves a careful, sustained thought, which is a work that involves your will. Meaning this, you can say, I delight in God, but if you meditate on something else, your delights will start to shift. If you delight in God and keep your meditations on the things that are true and right and beautiful and perfect, you will sustain and nurture your delight. I'm not delighting in God anymore. I don't know why. Just my affections aren't stirred for him. I don't know why. You never cultivate it. You never stir it up. You never meditate on it. You never set your heart and mind. It's not just going to stay that way, right? Without careful meditation. So the blessed man doesn't walk in counsel doesn't mean he doesn't hear that counsel. It just doesn't walk in counsel. All of you live lives where you're constantly hearing the counsel of the wicked, right? I'm not even saying get away from wicked people. I'm not even saying just don't be around them, don't hang out with them. I'm saying there's a difference between knowing what their counsel is and walking in it. What happens? The blessed man then does these things and doesn't do these things. And here's what a blessed man is like. He's like a tree and not chaff. We're putting images up every week so that you could look at it. I love this because what the Psalms do is teach us how to pray, not through thinking lofty thoughts. Many of us get into places where we get to thoughts and we think, I don't know how to pray because I don't know how to think big thoughts and articulate well. What Psalms does is pulls us out of lofty, heavenly, if you will, thoughts and pulls us down to earthly things. Here's what he says. 
Go look at a tree, meditate on that tree, and see how you are in light of, let God speak to you through you looking at a tree. That's crazy. You're looking at this tree, and what you end up seeing is the the tree is connected. What is he connected to? Living water. A tree is connected to the source, and it's not getting its life from itself, but it's getting its life because it's connected to a source. So a tree is connected. A tree has roots. The difference between the tree and the chaff, you're going to see a tree is stable. It has roots that go deep. And it's stable. A tree grows. It's living. The thing about a tree is it doesn't just, it doesn't just come this way. All, it's, it's not just, it, it grows. It's constantly growing. It's flourishing. It has seasons of fruit and season where fruit is not there. And you see that. A tree has life. It's a living thing. And what else does a tree do? It provides fruit and shade for others. That's what a tree is. It's prospering in all its ways. It's providing fruit and shade for others. It has life. It grows. But then there's chaff. Chaff is something totally different. It's part of the grain that's removed during threshing. So once the grain is threshed, there's chaff. And this, what, this is what the dictionary says chaff means, or here's what a meaning of chaff is. Trivial, worthless matter. Here's why. A tree is connected. Chaff is disconnected. A tree is rooted, chaff has no roots, and it's unstable. A tree is growing, chaff will never grow. A tree has life, chaff is dead. A tree provides fruit and shade for others, chaff is no good and just blows around with every wind that comes. The difference between a righteous man, a difference between a blessed man is one who is rooted in the source of God's word and it's growing and it's receiving life and it's providing fruit and shape. Chaff is just blowing around. A blessed man is known and righteous and a wicked man will fall. Here's why it's important we see that in verse 5 and 6. We believe when we hear the counsel of the wicked that the good life is what they say the good life is. And the reason why is because they're showing us the fruit of what they say the good life is. Example is, do this. If you believe this way, if you do this, you're going to receive all that you want. Money, prosperity, all these things. And you could go here and there. And the reality is there are people living this life looking at you can party, you can have this. All these things that people are chasing. Hear me on this. They're showing you immediate fruit, which shows you believe what their, their counsel. If you do these things, you will have these things. But what Psalms 1 shows us, verse 5 and 6, is that there is an end for wicked counsel. And the end of that is that they will not stand in judgment, nor in the seat of sinners or in the congregation, for the Lord knows their ways. Here's what will happen. You know how... When you follow in their counsel, you're going to stand in the way of sinners. Did you see that in verse 1? Well, here's what it says. Those who are standing in the way of sinners will not stand on the day of judgment. Their knees will buckle. When they stand before God, they will buckle. They have nothing to stand upon. 
What else? They don't stand in the congregation of the righteous, those of us who are known and righteous because of the, the, the source that comes from God. You think that the sinner or the wicked has the better life, but at the end, they will not be standing. In order for you to follow the right definition of the good life, you can't look at the immediate. You must look at where it's headed. You have to see that those lives do not produce the fruit, the stability, the connectedness, and they will not stand on that day. They will perish. Here's what we're doing in this series. When you study and meditate on something like Psalms 1, here's what happens. You have to ask the question, where am I in this? And I hope the Spirit's doing that for us. What is shaping you? What counsel are you following in your life? Not what counsel do you hear. I'm asking, what counsel do you follow? What counsel do you walk in? You see... All of you in this room can say, well, I just need to stop doing this and stop doing that and then I'm going to be blessed. And the reality is you all could abstain from sin and you could stay away from sinners for a while, I guess. But my question is not, what are you not doing? My question for you is, how much do you delight in the beauty and wonder of God? Do you delight in God? And how much of your life is cultivating that delight, meaning you are meditating. I love the word meditating. It means, if you look at one of the meanings, it means to mutter to yourself. I love that. It's like preaching to yourself. Just look crazy, just walking down the street, muttering to yourself, right? I don't care. Whatever it takes, I'll look crazy. But sometimes I can't just think it in my head. I need to start proclaiming the truths of Scripture and meditating on what the good life is. And I need to mutter that to myself. Why? Because if I just sit there and think, how many of us know our minds are prone to wander in multiple directions? We've got to learn to meditate, to cultivate delight. Church culture has a very strong force. We can't get out of it. Holiness doesn't mean we are outside of culture. Matter of fact, holiness does not mean we're different than culture. Well, holiness means all throughout Scripture, set apart for God's use, right? Wine was holy. Does that mean that wine tasted different? No, it means that wine was set apart for God's use. Oil was holy. Does that mean oil was different? No, it means it was set apart for God's use. The Levites were holy people amongst the Israelites. Did that mean the Levites were different than the rest of all the tribes? No, they were set apart for God's use. We live in the midst of this world. We look like everybody else. We're around the world. We work in the workplaces. You're hearing the counsel of wicked all the time. The question is not, can I get away from their counsel and can I abstain from all of these things? That's not the question. The only combat to us living this kind of good life is not abstaining, it's delighting. It's delighting. It's delighting. The only fight against the cultural power that pulls us away 
is by being anchored in and rooted like a tree right next to the water. So we've asked um, different people throughout this series to come and riff on uh, Psalms. Today, Pastor Wes is going to come. And what I'll ask for you to do is just stand. And he's going to what God has taught him through this and I would ask too that you just just listen and pray with him this podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona for more information about Redemption Alhambra Village visit redemptionaz.com